Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to the It's All Cobblers to Me preview show. I'm Danny Brothers and I'm here to look forward to the long trip north for the Cobblers this weekend as we travel to Carlisle United. As always, we've got a guest fan on with, with us to give us the opposition view on the game. Please welcome to the preview show from the Brunton Bugle. He's back again. It's Lee Rooney. How are you doing, mate? Uh, not too bad. Uh, <laughs> life in League One's proving probably a little bit tougher than we'd hoped, but I mean... I mean, we were kind of expecting things to be tough for us at the start of the season, at the very least. So it's not quite as surprising, I think. Yeah, I think everybody who goes up, probably like barring a few, just think the first season back, it's survival, isn't it? And especially for clubs like ours, it's mm-hmm. just get above that line, get that target of whatever 50 points it is and, and stay above that line. <laughs> um, Absolutely. But, uh, I, get, I think we're probably finding similar kind of difficulties in a lot of things. Um, but we'll come on to that a little bit later on. Um Firstly, just remind us where, like, where, how, when you became a Carlisle fan. How long have you been supporting them for? Oh, th- this uh, December uh, is my 29th year. 29th, yeah, 29 years since I started following Carlisle. So my first game um, was in the 94-95 season. It was, it, it was on the 27th of December. This is a weird sort of um, little um, thing here that some of the young listeners might not realise that that season we played on Boxing Day and on the 27th, yes. one day after the yeah. other. Yeah. We won on Boxing Day 5, I think it was 5-1 at Hartlepool, and then we beat Berry 3-0 on the 27th. We were top, Berry was second, crowd of 12,000. I mean, you just couldn't imagine that these days, could you? Like, I mean, imagine Jürgen Klopp on that. And it was practically, I looked, it was practically the same team. There's not much difference between the two teams <laughs> that play those two days, which is insane. But that's how good we were back then. We you know, 8-1 aggregate over two days. Yeah, it's not yeah, it was my first, my, my first game. Basically, we were incredible that season. Um, I think you guys were the ended our sort of unbeaten run at the start of the season. And then after that, I think we didn't lose for over twenty-one games. So, yeah. you know, it, that season we were phenomenal, and you, you couldn't really have picked a better time to start following the team. But so downhill since a lot of the way. Yeah, <laughs> what season? Ninety-four, ninety-five. Ninety-four, ninety-five. Okay, yeah. So that would be, that what, would have been just think, as we're starting to try to turn our season around. But you, so this is a season you finished top. Top of what yes, would have been finished top, and I think you, you. I think the game where you guys beat us was one of the last games you played at the county ground, at the cricket. Yeah, ground, okay. Before you yeah. moved, so yeah. Nice. No, did you get to experience this county ground in all its glory? Yeah. Uh, I never did. Sadly, no, I was a bit too young back then. So my first game was that <laughs> December on the twenty seventh, and yeah, ever since been a follow up, and so yeah. Nice. So you've basically been up and down and everywhere with Carlisle one season in the conference. I mean, that in itself, one season in the conference is quite an impressive feat considering how hard it is to get out of it. And especially back then, 2005, 2006, it's, it's one one team went up still at that point, I think, wasn't it? No, it was two. It was the second season the playoffs had been in Shrewsbury. did okay. it the season before. I think the yeah. first two seasons in a row, they had the playoffs. The two teams that went up in the playoffs had just come down, I think. So they went back the first time asking. I don't think it happened again for a while after that. But but yeah, we... Um, yeah, that, that was... 
that was an interesting experience at that level. I mean, I was reminded the other day, my friend of mine sent me a, one of those footballology things and on this day thing, and it was a, our game at Tamworth that season, and we lost 1-0. Matt Redmile, who's you know the size of a house by then, <laughs> scored for Tamworth. Um, I remember one of Andy Priest, who's playing for us then, he got racially abused by one of the Tamworth fans who tried to get into the crowd to attack them, and I remember getting spat on walking back to the station. Jeez. I think experiences like that, you're like... Yeah, glad, glad it was just one season. There was some, to be fair, there was some really good experience at that level. Like Liar and I, where the crowd for our game there for a midweek game was, I think it was two and a half thousand, of which two thousand two hundred were Carlisle fans. <laughs> they they made an announcement that Tannoy's thanking us for our uh, hospitality, you know, thanking us for our support turn up because we drank them out of beer and things like that. So yeah, yeah, it was an experience in the National League, but of the conference it was then. But I wouldn't want to do more than one season at that level. Definitely not. No. No, I don't. I think it's it's becomes a novelty for some teams, doesn't it? And some fans, it's like, okay, we've got some new grounds and things. Let's mm. let's make the most of it. But once you get two or three seasons in, from the fans we've spoken to, it's you know just get us out of here again <laughs> in the right direction. Obviously, yeah. I imagine um, Alderman Rochdale fans right now are not enjoying it much. <laughs> no, I can imagine not. No. Um, any standout games of games against the Cobblers over the years for you? Um, ones that I've actually been to. I was trying to think off the top of my head. I, I, not sure about once I've been to, but I remember the three nil win in the season we won the title in two thousand five oh six because Michael Bridges scored a stunning volley in that game. Um, he tore us apart. He um, was way too good for that level, Michael Bridges. Oh, he was, he was he was outrageous. Well, as soon as we signed him, we went from <laughs> yeah. being a, a playoff team to being comfortably the best team in the division. It was ridiculous. Yeah. But um, I always remember about that one is that I think it was afterwards Colin Calderwood tried to claim that you guys were still the better side, and it's kind of like. <laughs> Come on, we've won three in LA. We're top of the league. It's yeah, let's let's not be silly with this. But um, but yeah, over the years, trying to think any of us, I've I've got really good memories of. I mean, I've only been to um, Six Seals once, and um, that was a midweek game. We lost one or one or two. No, I can't remember. But yeah, I, I, not 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 that many memories of games against you guys. I think because I think that quite a lot of the time I've been following you, you guys were generally above us in 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 what was Division Two, now League One, which was Division we're in now. So yeah. You know, we tend to cross over quite a lot, don't we? When you've got a team like that yeah. and you, you are playing each other quite regularly on the on the passing by basis, but we never really... I, well, I don't remember any games anyway that have been like crucial games against you or anything like that. It always seems to be mid-tape, mid-season. It's always a like this like this season is a long trip north in, in mid-December. Somebody's got to do it, I'm sure. I know. Yeah, <laughs> it I, it I never seems I mean, to be massively consequential. Last season was quite a big one, I think, I suppose. And you guys did a really good job of basically just making it a very tight game and very mm. difficult to get anything out of. And I think at that point, we were just sort of starting to drop off in our form. So, mm. yeah, that, I mean, that's that's the only one I can think of. I'm, I'm just looking through um, 11 v 11 on the head-to-heads for games against you guys. And, yeah, there's, there's, there's not many that really stand out, to be honest. Like, in terms of wins against you guys, I've, okay, I think I've only ever... In fact, I'm not sure I've seen as... Well, maybe I've seen you us beat you once or twice, maybe, but that's about it. So, yeah, not not, not too great to be fair. <laughs> well, to be fair, actually, I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll, looking through the list, now, I do remember one—the one from a couple of seasons ago when you guys just missed out on the uh, third place and you lost two-one against us. I was in the you, if, in the running. No, not the running, but it's like March in, time, wasn't in, it? I think in the running-ish, but it was one of Paul Simpson's first games after coming back, and that's it. we weren't a great side, but we knew how to dig in and and. We got the was it ninety fifth minute penalty in that game where Horsfall yeah. inexplicably caught the ball for no reason when yeah, he was going out I mean, of play. It was it's so ridiculous. I know. I think John Brady tried to defend it afterwards, but we were like, "There's what are you doing in that situation?" It's like we could yeah. have got a point, a decent point away from home, which and, and, you know we won't know mention that, what that could have done to our season. Well, yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's the old butterfly it, effect. The world may have been different if that had been a one one draw, or whatever. Yeah, but, yeah. You still, you look and you think, oh, that point could have made the difference. And for us, it was a huge, huge win because it, it was, I think it was on about fifth in a row or something like that under Simpson. Yeah. And it was put us in a position where like, yes, we actually are going to stay up now. So yeah, so big. And, and look at where you are now is, is insane under Simpson as well. I mean, I, I think personally, I'm probably guilty of thinking of Simpson as the guy who was going to come and you know, firefight for you, if that makes sense, and just be mm. be the one who's going to get you out of trouble and maybe not with. take you on to the next level. Um, but it's gone, uh, it's done wonders last season. I've got to, you've got to say, to get you even in the playoff conversation, going against any predictions, I'd imagine, going into the season as well. Um, you got to the playoffs, 
I looked at it. We all looked at it on the podcast. I think we did a mini playoff preview at some point, and we just mm. thought there's no way Carlisle are getting out of this because you got Stockport, you got Bradford, you got Salford in there. I think all of us thought you were struggling for goals, struggling slightly for form. You dropped out of the top three a little bit. And I just couldn't see a way that you got out of it. But you've, you've gone past Bradford in the semi, epic semi-final. <laughs> I mean, firstly, talk yeah. us through that because what a what a double two-legged tie that was. I mean, I don't yeah. think I've seen a League 2 playoff double-header like that that I've been so entertained by in a lot of years. It, it, was, a, it was a crazy one, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was a weird one going into the playoffs. Weirdly, we felt a little bit more confident because I think we'd had that game against Salford where we lost and we felt a bit aggrieved because the referee gives some dodgy decisions in that game. And there's been a few incidents in games in the build-up to the end of the season that rankled us a bit and players getting suspended and we didn't think it was particularly fair. Um, and there was a real sort of siege mentality about it almost, really, in the way we went into it. And that, that first game at Bradford, you know, we, we lost it 1-0, but truth be told, we were probably narrowly edged it in terms of the, the play in that game. And and there was a feeling after that, there was no disappointment of like, oh, we've lost one. It was kind of like, yeah, okay, we, we can do it at Brunton Park. That'll be fine. You know, we can get a result there. Probably one of our biggest crowds in about 15, 16 years since probably the Leeds games yeah. uh, back in League One, back in the 2007, 08, round about then. Yeah, it was like 15, um, 15 and a half thousand, wasn't it? Altogether. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah. and it was, you know, even the Waterworks then was open to, to home fans for the first time in it. Well, they were over for the Salford game, but the first time it had been full for a long time. And yeah, that, there was a kind of feeling going into that game that like we, we could get something from this. And once we took the lead in that game, there was a feeling like, yeah, we can go on and do this. There was, there was no fear, even though obviously in normal t- time it remained, you know, the 1 0. Going through extra time, we felt confident we could get the result. And when Callum Guy hit that shot from the edge of the box, yes, excitement, amazing feeling. And even when um, the lad, what's his name now, who's um, who's Derbyshire, wasn't it? Matt Derbyshire scored the goal for for Bradford. Even at that point, I I wasn't like, okay, I wasn't feeling like, oh, we're going to collapse it because Bradford had barely been in the game, to be honest. They, Mm. They were so disappointing and they kind of sat back and then obviously Ben Barkley gets the winner and our fans invaded the pitch probably a little bit too early. I think it was before the final whistle actually went, but the ref at that point was like, oh, you know what? I was going to blow it anyway. So he ended the game at that point. And yeah, it was just that feeling of relief of having done it. But whatever had happened that season, it had been an incredible achievement to finish in the top seven, considering we probably had a bottom six budget in, in League Two. To, to be able to do that is nothing short of remarkable. Yeah. And then were you at Wembley for the final? Stockport. Oh, yes. Yes. I yeah. genuinely put that down as because on the footballology app, I've always, you know, there's this thing on your profile where you can put in your favorite games or your first games and most recent games. Mm. My favorite game had always been the 3 1 win over Leeds in League One uh, when we went top and, you know, they were flying at the top as well. That overtook it 100%. It was just a mm. brilliant day out. It's about 20, 25 degrees, something like that. Bright sunshine. Thankfully, we were in the shade in the end. We were. <laughs> Uh, about what thirty four thousand crowd, and tell you what, all the Stockport fans I met, they, they were brilliant, really, really lovely people. Like they weren't at all bitter, and even though you know they had a much bigger budget than us and probably should have gone up, really, mm. they weren't angry or bitter about this. Like, yeah, it's just it is the way it is. We just didn't really turn up in the day. You guys really got us all the best for next season. And I said to everyone, I said, look, you guys have got to come to be next season, and I wish I put some money in it because it looks like I've been proved quite right on that one. <laughs> the storm in League Two, aren't they? So yeah, yeah it was just an, an amazing feeling. Like when, when that Amari Patrick shot hit the back of the net, oh wow! I just went, we went nuts in our end. And a lot, I remember a lot of people on Twitter sharing those videos of like limbs. You know, look at these limbs, and it like it genuinely felt like that. We we were right in the corner, mm. in the corner flag when he went and celebrated, and it was just mad. And I actually took a photo afterwards and I've put it on my Instagram now of him. Um, on my watch, the heart monitor thing, I just checked to see what it was, and it, and it was it was 134 <laughs> after that goal. I didn't I didn't dare look at it during the penalties. I was going to say, like, what the, was it? What was it like in the penalty shootout Wembley in a I, playoff final? That I mean, how were you feeling at that point? Are you basically thinking you've come through that epic against Bradford, scoring twice in in extra time? You've come through mm. scoring late at Wembley again. Are you a case of oh, you know, I don't want to pun not intended at all but what will be will be here or is is it just literally the worst thing ever going into a penalty shootout at Wembley for a place in League One I was really calm about it it's kind of a weird thing maybe my heart rate might have said differently if I'd actually looked at it (laughs) but I genuinely felt quite calm I felt like you know what 
I'm, com- I'm, we've got a six foot nine goalkeeper here. He's gonna, yes. you know, at least what he's gonna get close to at least a couple of these. You'd think, you'd hope. So like there was a feeling of like, no, I'm, I'm pretty. I look technically, we had a lot of good players who really good technical footballers. I thought, yeah, actually, I'm quite confident. And as soon as obviously Dennis steps up, takes the first one, pretty sends the keeper a long way. He been a really good penalty taker during the seasons. So we were comfortable with that. Then when their lad stepped up and hurriedly saved it, at that point I was like, "Yeah, we're going to win this." I, I just, I just had this belief in me of like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm." There was never a point where I thought, "No, we're not going to do this." I mean, Ryan Edmonds had my heart in my mouth with his stuttering penalties. I, I hate, hate those run-ups. I, I, I genuinely hate I just, it. No, I can't do it. Why? Why add an extra variable into your penalty? Just, just hit it. <laughs> hit it as well as you can. Get, which is what Owen Moxon did. Thankfully, he, he put it in the top corner. In fact, John Mellish was the best of the lot. There. I loved it. And watching back on the TV because he he just runs up and just does a John Mellish thing and just levers it into the top <laughs> yeah, corner. And, yeah. and he turned around and basically told the um, Stockport fans to off basically he was um very typical john and then taylor charters a local lad you know from west cumbria he stepped up to take the final bet and he, he apparently similar said this after training he was the only player out of all the squad who hadn't missed a single penalty oh, in the, the two weeks like before when they've been practicing like technically said like yeah. he's as good a penalty as you'll see and <laughs> as soon as he stepped up setting the keeper the wrong way just went absolutely nuts at that point I remember coming back, we, we got back to Houston and I, because of it all being quite late, you know, we're finding out you're in the final, you couldn't really get cheap advanced returns even from, well, you could actually get the train from Carlisle, it wasn't possible, I live in Liverpool. So I got the train down with Mike, who did a pod with, he lives in Formby near me. So we were meeting a couple of Carlisle fans who were getting on the train at crew, they'd driven round to catch the train from there. And we got open returns and coming back, we, we after the game, we we went to the Spoons in Wembley and had a few drinks there and catch up with a few, few Califans singing songs. Good fun. And then we went down to um, to Houston. And the intention was, oh, we'll get this train up, up next. And I'm like, oh, bumped into another one of my mates from school. Oh, we'll have a pint here in the uh, the Eastern Tap. Oh, we can always get the next one. We're not reserved on any trade. It's fine. It's an open return when we're sorted, yeah. I think we missed about three trains doing that, basically. And <laughs> on the hour, the trains to Liverpool. So we'd stay there about two or three hours just drinking having a crack with some Stockport fans and a load of the Carlisle fans. And it's just like, like moments like that make, you know, the rubbish days out like last Saturday against Blackpool all the worthwhile, really. You know, it, it, yeah. it's just that incredible feeling. And even on the train, our train got delayed. It got stuck at Runcorn because of a signal failure on the way back. So it was sat at Runcorn Station because it couldn't get beyond there to Liverpool for about 45 minutes. And then they said, eventually, oh, we're going to have to turn it around, go back to crew and go back up the Neat Willows via St. Helens. And normally I'd be raging about that, but for God's sake, it's going to take me ages to get back over. You know what? Couldn't have cared less. We had like beers on their food. We were like, yeah, this is fine by me. Brilliant yeah. day out. Yeah, so good. And to do it against the odds as well, it just makes it so much sweeter, doesn't it? When you're not expecting it from the from the start of the season, even when you're in it, you know, it's a whatever the lottery, whatever you want to say about it. But like to do it in that yeah. style with Paul Simpson as well, it must have been an incredible incredible journey and incredible moment for you guys and just just to to carry you basically through the summer when you win the player final isn't it It just it's just on the adrenaline for the rest of the summer aren't you oh absolutely like and like you said with a local lad doing as well someone who's like that is in the three full seasons he's been in charge of us he's won three promotions Mm. um now that's not going to happen this season i think probably fair (laughs) to say but like yeah the, the the feeling of the momentum of that afterwards was amazing and you know, we, we changed that kit supply to Umbro this this year, and I'm, I'm wearing the training top right now. But with this the pattern on this training top is the pattern on the away top, and that's sort of like hotcakes. The home kit mm. with this, it's like a bus seat pattern. Everyone says it, but it's like a throwback to the early '90s. Again, that's sold out. They've sold, I think, something like we've had somewhere like three times as many kits as they did last season through Umbro. They've had to have two different extra batches come in. It's just that sort of you know real belief behind the club, and that's in turn been kicked on even further by the um the takeover news which is mm. like really given everyone a huge lift and it, it it's really exciting time to be a call off and yes we're struggling down near the bottom at the moment but January is going to be quite a, an exciting transfer window because we're, we're no doubt going to spend a bit of money to keep ourselves in and the piatics who've taken over they they seem really really serious about investing into the club and making it a real community asset mm. so this season in in general, can probably be split into two parts. Hopefully for you guys, it will be split into two parts. On the pitch, three wins so far in the league this season. It's been a little bit of a struggle um, 
tell us about the season so far. What's been, what's not quite clicked? Why, why are you down there at the moment? Is this what you expected? Tell us a little bit about what's happened so far. It's a weird one because you look and you think, oh, they're really struggling. It's been a real slog coming back up to mm. League One. And in, in, in some ways, yeah, it has. But actually, up until these last two games, <laughs> where we lost 5-1 and 3-0, um, most of our defeats have been 1-0 defeats. Yeah. They've been really narrow defeats. We're not getting, no one was battering us. The nearest before that we got was Wigan were unreal in the first half against us. And yet second half, we really got on them. We got a 1-1 draw. Same with Peter United. You know, they were unbelievable against us. And yet second half, we had a real go in the last 20 minutes and managed to get a point. So it's it's been tough. The truth is, we didn't have the advantage that you guys had of getting promoted at the start of May. Mm-hmm. So we were three or four weeks behind everyone else when it came to recruiting. Budget-wise, at that point, we were still working on, it's going to be a slightly bigger budget than last season, but probably still looking at a bottom six, bottom four budget in League One. So the pick players that we had wasn't quite as good. Um, we, we felt like we put a bit more depth into the squad this season, but again, we've just had injury issues once again. It's, it's been a, a real nightmare. Paul Huntington, you know, our captain's been out for a huge chunk of the season. We've lost JJ Coyote that we brought back in on loan from Rotherham United. Big things expected of him, and he, he dislocates his shoulder in the first game of his return. Um, you know, Finn Backer, we brought back on loan. He's had hamstring problems again. Injuries have been a real issue. And at the moment, we are working on a, a base 18, basically. And we haven't got anything beyond those 18 players. We have to basically just move a few little bits around. There's not an option to bring players in out for the call, that kind of thing. So it's been tough. And I think losing Callum Guy to a long-term injury has really affected us because he he was so important at the base midfield. He's probably been one of our best performers at League One level. And the problem is, Without him, we weren't keeping games as tight as we had been mm-hmm. and being able to try and potentially get back into games. So him being out, we really need to replace him in January. I think we need to get someone in just to, just to do that role as much as anything and take a bit of pressure off the team. And I mean, Moxon's found it tough. He, we found out basically this weekend he's been playing most of the season with a hip injury. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, we, we thought he'd been underperforming and actually maybe he's just been performing as well as he can in the circumstances yeah. and... We're having, having to use Joe Garner in every game from the start for the whole almost the whole 19. Look, he's 34, 35, and we love Joe, but we shouldn't be using him as much as that. We should be, be able to rest him a bit more often, but we simply can't because we haven't got the, the, the players at the moment. And truth be told, some of the signings have been quite disappointing as well. You know, they haven't really hit the standards that we would have hoped. But yeah, it, it, it's been tough. And I think in an ideal world, the takeover would have been sorted in August and Tom Piasek, who's the new owner, he did say, look, that's what we wanted to do originally, but it's, the EFL owner's test is a lot more vigorous now, so it's it's difficult. You have to really prove a lot of stuff. So especially coming in as an outsider from America, it's mm-hmm. tough for them. So they weren't able to sort it in time. It was only sorted in mid-November. So we're playing catch-up in that sense. And I've heard some reports that it could be as much as doubling our budget in January is how much he's looking to invest because that's how far behind we've been. But mm. off the pitch, they've invested so much as well. And that, that that's really helped. And yeah, it's going to, it's been tough. And that first game against Fleetwood, we we came out of that game with a 1-1 draw and we were all looking at ourselves going, wow, this is a, like, this is a step up compared to League Two. I'm sure you guys have seen it. Like the, the mm. good teams are so much better than the good teams were in, in League Two last yeah. season. Um, and look at Fleetwood, they're struggling near the bottom. So we yeah. thought that was yeah. a big step up. So that shows you just the difference between the, the, the two levels. So it's been tough, but I think that there's a there's a level of realism amongst the supporters to where we are right now. Yeah. I mean, there's is, there's a lot of similarities with what you say um, in terms of what we've been through as well, given a couple of results maybe here and there. When you take key players out, it has such a major impact where like teams at the top end of the, of the table, even some in the, in the bottom half can probably get away with losing key players we were with, without Jack Salby who's a similar kind of thing to what you're saying about yeah. Callum Guy you take one bit out and the whole thing just starts to fall apart because you're using people in, in other positions you're using players that might not necessarily need to be played 90 minutes or every time um, and it seems to be a very similar story to us like we could easily be in your position at this point because if like, Jack Salby didn't come in if Mark Leonard hadn't been able to be pushed forward things, things like that um, but obviously you've got a lot of optimism coming up. Castle Group completed their takeover. Tom Piotek, um spoken about his plans for the club. 
also quite crucially, I think for Carlisle talks about his plans for the community as well. So it's not just a club based thing. He's, yeah. he's really buying in the, into the community. How exciting is this for you? And what do you think you will do in January? What do you think you need to do in January to, to stay up in the, in the first instance and then start to build on the, on his ambitions? Yeah. So it's incredibly exciting. Uh, our previous owners, um, uh, free local businessmen and, Look, they're they're fans. They're no doubt fans of the club, but they were a bit great and old and very set in their ways and very, very, what's the word? Very safe in the way they dealt with things, really. They, they didn't take big risks, which, you know, has generally benefited us over time. You know, we've been stuck with a debt for a while, which is gone now. And, you know, we've literally got no, well, we owe debt to Castle Sports Group now because they bought the debt, but they've said, look, the club's not going to be paying that back anytime soon. We're going to find a tax way to, a tax efficient way to basically wipe it out. But um, it's so exciting because some of the stuff they've talked about, I mean, already, you'll, you, if you're coming up this weekend, you will see the difference around the ground. There's, they've been putting loads of these banners up on the side of the East Stand with the, the pictures of the players on them and stuff like that. Mm. There's loads of sort of branding around the ground that's much better. We've the, the infamous Warwick Road end toilets have been uh, got rid of. They've bought some put some temporary re- replacements for now, and they're going to build a proper block on the back of there soon. Um, even like down to the fan zone, there's we've got two porta cabins there now. We've got actual canopies covering out from that like tent sort of things, so you can stay dry when it is raining. They've hired in a huge. I mean, I want to say huge. I mean, huge big screen for the fan zone as well, so we can watch the live games that are run early on kickoffs. Um, that everything they've done around the club just really positive already to start that they've been investing in all that kinds of stuff and <clears throat> the, one of the encouraging things is it's the whole family involved and Tom's really been into it they've, they've been talking about apparently this for six years they've been looking into it and they looked mm. at several clubs um, they did like a checklist and apparently Carlisle came out comfortably top of what they wanted and yeah it's that they've been talking to the owners and the sports trust since February, I think. So that's how you know long this is taken and how much we have realized yet they are serious about this from the very start. And yeah, so Tom is the father, he's sort of leading it, but his son Tom too is he loves football. He's really, really into it. Like he used to play it over in Florida at college level. And his wife's also involved in then his daughter as well and their his daughter and his son's partners as well. So there's a much younger look to the board as well. And they're, they're all really into the social media and marketing and things like that. So they get it. And there's a real, real buzz. And the, the concern is, you know, you don't want to get dragged into a relegation fight and kill that buzz a bit. So that mm. I, I think I would not be amazed if we signed seven or eight players in January. I kind okay. of feel like that they, they, they realize that the players we've got, maybe just quite aren't, some of them aren't quite up to the step. And with those who are injured, we just need some some cover to try and get ourselves away from trouble. I've heard a few names banded about. I'm not 100% on them, but <laughs> potentially some of them are players who could make a really, really big difference at this level, actually. And, you know, Josh Emmanuel is the first one they brought in on a free transfer, and he's looked a really good find already. He's still finding his feet in terms of fitness, but once he gets up to fitness, I think he'll be a really big player for us. And, yeah, there's, there's, there's plenty there's plenty of excitement. And I think long long term... It's the fact that they're not just talked about working on the playing squad. They say, no, we want to actually invest in a training ground. We haven't got a training ground at the moment. You'll see, if, yeah. if, when you come to the game at the weekend, you'll see the training ground from behind the waterway. Because it's a pitch there, but the problem is it floods when, when the, weather, mm. the river's high. So it's probably flooded this week with all the rain. So, um, yeah, it, it's, it, it's, it's, it's a very exciting time, but there is a sort of level of like, okay, we've got to be careful and make sure we don't go down. But, they're backing Simmer. They seem to be really behind him too. So yeah, really, really exciting times. It seems like they're doing everything right off the pitch. It almost feels like the the couple of months before January has actually helped them to do all the things around the club that's going to actually entice signings to it. Like if they can build as much as they can and do what they can quickly around the club, around the outside, around match days, get the fans really on board, that sells a lot to a player if you're yeah. comparing a club like two clubs against each other in January doesn't it and that, that's quite sensible and quite you know quite exciting for you to see that all happening and slowly slowly building and then in January just going for it and having in theory a really good manager to to tie new signings together pretty quickly yeah absolutely it, uh, there's been a real positive feeling around the fan base anyway for the last couple of years mostly thanks to Paul Simpson to be honest mm-hmm. the job he's done has been like incredible in terms of turn of things around and you know we've got a, a real loyal bunch who go in the Warwick Road and now of the younger fans and 
they've even talked about the fact that look that they realize that that you know it's an iconic roof the Warwick Road in with its you know pointy like cowshed style uh, thing but a lot of the noise gets lost because it goes straight up into that roof so he said well we're looking at potentially put like a almost like a false roof in so that the sound actually goes out to the pitch and we can actually hear them and improve the atmosphere simple little things like that mm. but the training ground thing's a huge thing like it that'll make a big difference because the moment I imagine Premier League clubs their low managers take one look at our thing and go hmm Maybe we're not going to send you the, the the pick of our players here. You might have to settle for second best, that kind of thing. And you know, they're talking about a twenty twenty five acre site and building something up proper that the community can use as well. Really, and in terms of ground, they've said straight away, well, we're going to stay at Brunton Park because they're based mm-hmm. in Florida and say, look, we're used to dealing with like hurricanes and having things that are able to be <laughs> sorted and back up working quite quickly. So flooding, we'll find a solution to it. We'll find a way. Of doing stuff that allows us if there is flooding to basically get it up and running really quickly again so yeah it's it's it, it can make a huge difference and i think the fact that they're prepared to back the manager as well is a, a real real positive yeah nice exciting times all around for sure uh, we're going to take a quick break we'll come back in a few minutes time with lee and start to drill into the game itself on saturday see you then Welcome back. Hope you enjoyed those ads. We're still here with Lee Rooney from the Brunton Bugle. Um, Lee, let's come into the match itself on Saturday then. In terms of the league season, the battle against relegation, you've got a, a really important month coming up before those changes in January hopefully happen for you. Um, starting with the Cobblers on Saturday, Cheltenham the week after at home, another massive game for you. Fleetwood away on Tuesday, the 26th on Boxing Day, and then on the 29th, you've got Wigan away. So really important few games, important group of games for you, even stretching to Port Vale on New Year's Day as well. But just how important is it for you to get back to winning ways this weekend? I mean, I think most of our fans would be delighted with the the coldest winter on record arriving <laughs> in the next few couple of weeks because that would give us a chance to maybe get it. Because we, we had a game against Barnsley that could have been rearranged to the weekend of the FA Cup second round when they obviously got kicked out because they didn't let an eligible player. But I think we just said, no, we're, we're okay waiting until January for that. Thank you very much. So, uh, yeah, it's 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 a huge few weeks. We The key thing for us is to keep ourselves in touch. You know, We can't really lose those games against Cheltenham and Fleetwood. We have to get at the very least, a point out of those two. It's not ideal. It means maybe the teams above us can potentially pull away, but we don't want the ones below us or right around us to be pulling away from us. That's the key thing. We need to keep ourselves in touch as much as anything, which you know might sound a little bit negative, but actually I think it's just realistic. We, we've just got to look at it the way we are. We, we are struggling for players at the moment. So, yeah, it, 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 it's, it's a big one. And even going into the new year, you look, you've got Port Vale on New Year's Day and then, after that, Exeter away, which mm. looks a really big one as well now because they're, they're, I mean, when they beat us, I think they won the next two and nearly went top of the league. Yes, yeah, September. second yeah. at that point. Yeah. So like, to, to be where they are now, they're really in free fall. So you look at that and think, well, that, that's a potential opportunity. And especially the fact that hopefully we can have two or three players signed because it sounds like we've got a couple already pretty much agreed to come in for the start of January, which they can't play on the New Year's Day game, but they can play in the game against, um, against Exeter. So, yeah, it, it's a big one. I think Simo made some comments after our game against Blackpool. They, he, I wouldn't say he dug out the fans so much. Well, maybe he did, I suppose, in a sense, but he complained about some of the abuse that he got. Yeah. I don't think he actually got the abuse. I think it was the players getting it, but he happened to be walking over them at the same time. I don't think he's daft. I think he knew exactly what he was doing with saying that. He yeah. basically changed the narrative after that game, so it's all talking about that and not about the performance and how much we struggled a bit in the conditions. And he's also guaranteed that he'll get a really good reception and hopefully the players will, in turn will get a good reception against you guys. And it, it, he's not daft. I think he knew exactly what he was doing when he said that, when he when he dropped a, a bit of a profanity on the radio. After the yeah, yeah, he was yeah. very, very, very deliberate in doing that. But but yeah, huge few weeks. But key thing for us is to basically not lose many of those games, which is, yeah. again, sounds negative, but it's realistic. Yeah, as soon as I saw that statement after the Blackpool game that he came out with to the fans, like the message to the fans that he sent, I automatically thought, oh no, this is the worst thing that we could have expected because he's come out and he's, like you said, rallied the fan base now, right behind him again. Like The fans straight away forget about him. All the focus is on what he said in that statement afterwards, basically yeah. g up the fans again, getting them, as soon as they come into the ground on Saturday, they're now up for it. They're right behind him. And suddenly you're starting off again. That concerns me a little bit from a cobbler's point of view because we we know what a sort of hotbed it can be at your place. You know, your fans aren't just going to sit down and and let the game happen to them. 
when a passionate Brunton Park is a tough place to go and in one instant with that statement he's turned it around to everyone going to that stadium on Saturday um, so the, the fans reaction I'm assuming has been quite positive towards towards since there's no issues with that at all no absolutely and it was it was the, to be fair it was the same on on Saturday after the game I think there was only one or two fans who actually said oh maybe you know he needs to be careful what he says that's oh, and he, and to be fair he probably does need to be careful what he says because you only get away with that a couple of times really can't you um, but I think most fans were like well no 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 we weren't saying to him on, and to be honest most fans had left the game but I'd left the game early then I, I left the game early because I wanted to go to Coral Island for a bit of a go on the two penny uh, slots and things <laughs> like that because the game was that bad but yeah. um but yeah, it, it's yeah. I think he's like I said, he knows exactly what he's doing, and and, and he knows that a, a raucous Brunton Park can really, really help. And at the moment, the, the fans were just starting to turn a little bit. There was a bit of a sarcastic cheer when the plunge mm. got substituted. I didn't do that, but I kind of understand why fans did that because he's he's just not good enough, frankly. But um, yeah, it, it it's going to be an interesting one of the week, and I th- I think he'll get an incredible reception of the game, and I think. The fans are really behind him, and because he he almost slightly hinted like if that carries on, I'll I'll walk away, yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, but I think I think he knew, like I said, I think he knew fine well what he was doing. That he's 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 not he's not stupid. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's been a, it's been a tough couple of weeks. Reading five one away from home, uh, Plange scored in that one as well, but <laughs> and then Blackpool three nil. Yeah. Um, obviously, it's going to be a different story at your place as well big crowd what I mean what can we expect tactically from Simpson to change that for the last from the last couple of weeks so you play a little bit differently at home what what can we expect to face on Saturday the problem comes back to that point I was making earlier the fact that we've only really got 18 players that are fit and available at the moment probably so we basically have to work with what we got as you remember last season we played 3-5-2 and, mm-hmm. and, you know from that John Mellish could be quite attacking from centre-back we spent most of the season playing 4-3-3 the irony is we lost Amari Patrick to Sutton in the summer because he wanted to leave because he wanted to move back down to Alpha and also wanted to play as a winger and Simpson couldn't guarantee him that. Well, we've been playing with wingers most this season. And <laughs> it's not. It's been like there's times like, oh, God, we could have actually done with him. Not necessarily saying he's the player I'd want now, but we probably could have done with him with his pace and to cause a few problems. Um, I think we'll most likely probably play a 4-3-3 again, possibly. I think he might go back to that. Um, the problem is we don't know if Moxon's going to be fit because he had that hip knock and Simpson seems to be suggesting it might be the point where we might actually have to rest him to try and get him to recover from it a little bit but we are quite short in midfield as well you know in terms of op- op- options so it may well be that Moxon gets dropped and we actually push Mellish into midfield and go with Lavelle and um, Barclay at the back so it genuinely could be I think of the, 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 the team that we're going to pick the only ones who will 100% be in that team would probably say only ones. Yeah, probably the only ones would be Holy, Emmanuel, Lavelle, Mellish, Garner. Probably the only ones I could guarantee you will start that game. Gibson will probably come back in. He he, he was left out at the start of 11 for the last game. Well, it turns out he'd been ill at the start of the week. So we, we, he's, he's the real threat for us, really, in terms of what he, you know, when he's on his game, he's been the real creative force for us this season. Moxon's not quite been there. So we're most likely to play a 4 3 3 and try and keep it compact and try and, you know, win the ball, hit, hit you on the break a little bit. But yeah, at the moment, it, it, it's proving a bit tough just simply because one, the numbers are low and, and two, the confidence is a little bit hit by the last two games. Mm hmm. Is is there a need for more leaders almost in the in the team since Callum Guy's gone out? Is that is is that one of the key issues in in January? Yeah, I think to be honest, Paul Huntington's as big a miss as a leader in that situation because mm. he's like there was a few concerns in some of the early games that maybe his legs won't be up to it at this level anymore, and you know because he's what thirty five now. But actually, I think we're we're missing his leadership as much as anything. His ability to you know in a in a difficult game where you know backs against the wall. He knew how to deal with stuff, and I think even like the first game he came back was it the game against Charlton. I can't remember. Quite recently, he came back for his first appearance in the game, and he started the game well, and then basically pulled up his calf, and we didn't really do particularly well after that. We, we struggled a bit, so it just kind of sort of summed up where we were at that point. Um, yeah, there's definitely a lack of leaders in there. I think in terms of we could maybe do with a couple in attack as well as much as anything. Joe Garner can 
lead the line really well and he can lead by example in that sense but he, he also has a bit of a temper on him sometimes so he gets a lot of bookings and there's a bit of a concern there in that sense and like I said we're, we're just running him into the ground at the moment so we, we could really really do with with some experienced heads in there but as much as anything we need a bit of quality mm. <laughs> that's where we're really lacking at the moment some of the players just haven't been able to make the step up so far Has uh, anybody stepped up or come in, come in this season that you didn't expect to that that you didn't expect to get a chance or has come in over the summer that that you've just that you can pin your hopes on for the second half of the season it's, it's definitely going to be in there that's really going to be a threat without potentially the likes of Moxon and Guy in there um, Gibson surprised us because he was out of contract in the summer we fought our 50-50 about whether he'll stay because he'd been sort of in and out of the team in the second half of last season even though he'd been brilliant in the first half of the season but then it turned out he had a trigger in his contract that no one knew about. So the club just triggered that, or he triggered it. I don't know which one of them did, but it was extended by another year. And he's been fantastic. He's been so he scored a hat trick against Bolton in our three-one win there. And he's he's played either in centre midfield or sort of a number ten or as a winger. He's, he's played all over the. He played, played wing back in one game, I think, as well, possibly. And he he really has stepped up. He, as soon as he came on against Blackpool, it made a huge difference to us. Suddenly, we had a player who was capable of creating and putting balls into the box that were going to cause problems and could have a shot from distance as well. So I think he he would be a, a real big player for us in the second half season, potentially. Um, I, Mellish has probably done better than we expected, playing as a, just a, a bog-standard centre-back, because playing as you know, in a back three, he had a bit of freedom to get forward because he's he, he just all chaos, you know, he, he'll run the <laughs> yeah. ball, run to people. You don't know what he's going to do half the time. But actually, playing in a back four alongside Lavelle, he's looked really calm, composed. He's kept the ball really well. And you're like, all right, this lad, he's capable of playing at this level. We can see that now. Um, I mean, beyond that, it's, it's pretty slim pickings. To be honest, it's been it's been really tough. And I think in terms of who can make a difference, JJ Coyote will make a big difference if we can keep him fit. He's what six foot five. He's got a bit of pace about him. Big, strong lad. The ball sticks when he goes up to him, and he's got a monster long throw as well. You know that that something like that would really help us. You know, just to pin teams in you know, in the last 20 minutes, you're just constantly having him launching the ball and mm. that could make a really, really big impact. But yeah, you know, losing him after that, he, he made his debut, second debut for us in a trophy game against Accrington and we, we hate the trophy and I probably don't even cover it. Yeah. And he dislocated his shoulder in that game, but he didn't know he'd dislocated it. And so he just thought he was a bit sore. He played on against Stevenage at the weekend and then came off. And then after the game, they were looked at him and like, uh, he said, "Like I'm still really in agony from this." So they went and got him scanned. It was like, "Yeah, you've dislocated your shoulder." Oh, jeez! And that's, that's like oh, as well. just just sums it up, Indeed. doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> of all the games to do it in, but the the expectation is he this weekend's going to be too soon for me. He's been back out on the grass training. I think the hope is he might be on the bench for the Cheltenham game, and if he can be on the bench for that game, that would be a huge one because having him come on off the bench maybe for the last 10, 15 minutes and just causing a bit of chaos and just putting himself about there could really have a big impact and. And yeah, I mean, on the flip side, Ryan Edmonton's been a huge disappointment this season. We expected such much bigger things from him. He'd really impressed at times last season. I mean, he was unlucky to get that shoulder injury against you guys, very similar to what Coyotes had. And then he came back and he scored on his first game back against Swindon, the winner in the 96th minute. And, you know, he looked like full of running and he looked like he was going to cause problems in games. But for some reason, Simpson's just gone off him. He can't explain it. He just he won't pick him and he, he's picking Plange ahead of him and Plange just... I just don't get it. I don't get how Palace played a million pounds to Derby for him a few years ago because he just doesn't look like... I mean, it sums up how much money there is in the Premier League that they've paid a million pounds for that. Yeah. Because he, you know, at the moment, the way he's going, he looks like a player who'll be playing at Horsham in a couple of years' time. That's that's no disrespect to Horsham. It's just, yeah. It's yeah. That, That's where we're at. The, the standard alone has not been great this season either. That's probably not helped things either. So yeah. It sounds like you got your very own version of Tyree Simpson for us. To be fair with Flange. Well, yeah. funny enough, Tyree Simpson was a player who was linked with us in the summer. He was mm. quite strongly linked with us. There was rumours that we were keen on him as well. So I was going to ask you about him once we were up on, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, sounds like yeah. you'll have an interesting response on that one. Similar yeah. experiences is all I'll say about that. Yeah. Um, the, that's, that, that's another thing, actually. We, we got a lad online from Fulham called Terry Ablade, who's become a bit of a cult player because he's just rapid and he just mm. get the ball to him and he'll just run like hell. He he's sometimes doesn't really know what his feet are doing, but he, he's entertaining and yeah. he was given us a really good option off the bench in terms of late on in games, throw him on and, and teams just struggle to cope with his pace. He's done his hamstring as well, so he's out till the end of February. Which is, <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that's, our, that's our pace option gone off the bench. <laughs> full sweep, so yeah. Oh dear. Um, so expectation-wise for this one then, obviously both promoted clubs, you want to get, in. you know, you look at promoted clubs, you want to get points against them. It's not 
generally that black and white as Stevenage have proven this season. But home game against us, you know us well. We've had some tight games in the past, and especially the last couple of seasons yeah. against you. Um, home fans going into your game on Saturday than against us. What what are they expecting? Are they expecting three points? Is it uh, is it a case of you know? Like you said, get through to January with as many points as you can, and it's not massive expectation wise. Where are you at for this one? It's a good question. That um, I mean, I in putting together the preview stuff for our pod for you about this game this weekend, noticed the fact that you guys are sixth on the form table. And I was a bit, I knew you guys had improved, but I was a bit taken aback. I'm like, wow, they've really improved in the last month or so. So this could be quite tough, actually. And then, you know, the most recent defeat was against Portsmouth, which is, you know, there's no mm-hmm. shame in that, really. So it's kind of look at that thinking, God, this could actually be tougher than I thought. So, I mean, personally, I can speak personally. Yeah, I, I'd probably take a draw now, and if we can build, get a draw and build on that, and then go into the Cheltenham game and get a win in that four points from those two games, I think we'd be delighted with going into Christmas. It's key thing is not to lose. We, we've got to sort of end that little. If we end, if we lose, that's what three defeats in a row. I think it'll be at that point, and you don't want to get onto a little run like that. You want to try and keep yourselves in touch and out of trouble, but. Yeah, it, 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 it's tough at the moment, but I think the fans are generally quite positive and I know that the Piatics are back over for this game as well. I think they're over for Christmas now. They said they're going to come over and stay until the new year for the, for the remaining games because they want to support Paul and get stuff lined up in terms of transfers and, and the monies for that. So, so yeah, I think they'll be, that'll hopefully give the fans a bit of a lift as well. And like mm. I said before, what Simo said is it will make a difference. I think the fans will really buy into that. Yeah. Has he been to a game yet? Is this, will this be his first one? Will he be like on the pitch and stuff, or is he going to arrive in a helicopter? No, no, they've been to quite a few. No, no, no. <laughs> they, um, they, funny enough, they went to the playoff games. So they were there at the Bradford okay. game yeah. and the game at Wembley. Mm. And I think they said like the Bradford games, the two Bradford games, because I think originally they were just going to stay for the the away Bradford game, and then but they weren't sure if they're going to stay for the home one. They stayed for the home one, and they were glad they did. And they basically said that those games were what swayed them to thinking, "Yep, we definitely want to." We want to kick on with this and, and do this. So it just shows, goes to show you sometimes. And they've been over for a handful of games this season. They, they were in the crowd for a game when it just like a day after it was revealed that they were potentially interested. Uh, they they sat in the East Stand and watched the game together, Tom and Tom. Um, but they've been over for a few games since. And the first game was the Charlton game, and uh, it was it was a proper party. It was about ten thousand there for that one. They were handing out little flags before the games and stuff. And, you know, they were in the fan zone having drinks with the fans and chatting. Yes. We had, I had a good chat with them as well. And they, they really sp- I know that Tom, too, listens to the podcast, so I have to be careful what I say now. <laughs> um, but they're, 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 um, they're, they've, they've been fantastic. They've really, really bought into it. And, yeah, they've, they're, they're going to – I think they're over. I don't know if the kids are over, but I know Tom and Patty are definitely over for this game. So, hopefully, that'll give the fans a bit of a lift as well and, and we can see some real positives. Nice. So – Tactically, then, if you're in the cobbler's dressing room on Saturday, what would you be saying to our players if you had to give a team talk to beat you? I mean, if you take the lead, we don't generally come back when teams <laughs> take the lead against us this season. We, we've we struggled a bit with that. I mean, it's well, so is Bolton, I suppose. We, we won that one free one after going one down. Um, I don't, it's, it's a tough one. I think the, the problem is that the ball's not really sticking in midfield at the moment because a guy I would say basically get on top in midfield if you can get yourselves on top in midfield and I, I have to admit I do worry when I look at your team you know with Mick Williams in there and uh, Leonard and players like that and I'm like that's actually quite a decent midfield from last season you know and it's still looking good now so it's, that does worry me a little bit I don't know if we'll mix it up a little bit possibly for this one but but yeah I think getting at the midfield is the key thing at the moment because we just we're really struggling to get on top of it in that sense and actually yeah, in terms of attack, if you can deal with Joe Garner, there's not a huge amount up there at the moment unless we change things up and how we play that. Nice. McWilliams getting there. McWilliams booking incoming, I'm sure, <laughs> as, as per normal. <laughs> um, before we come on to predictions, best places to eat, drink before the game. There's a fan zone, away fans allowed in the fan zone at the moment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, if, if you're coming on train and you're in town, Basically, if you come out the train station, you'll see the Griffin pub is just as you leave, which is usually the away pub. But generally, for for games against the likes of yourselves, the pubs aren't that fussed on, on away fans too much. Some of them might be, but they'll tell you when you, you try to get in. But, you know, I know it's a box style thing, but, you know, Lloyd's, you've, got down, you, you've basically got two weather spoons within 100 metres of each other on um, on Botchergate. And Lloyd's is pretty packed. And I might say most away fans go in there for a bit of food before. And there's a plenty of places down there but then if you head down to the ground like I said the fan zone's behind the main stand so the old 
main stand that's opposite the stand you'll be sat in and you'll be more than welcome to come in there and it's really good like the beer's really good like I said they'll have a big screen with the match on there and there's about four or five food stores there like a chippy van and like I think a guy that does like Yorkshire pudding wraps and things like that oh, nice. and there's a burger place there so it's yeah it's 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 so much better than it ever was, and it, yeah. it, the difference. And that's to be fair, that's not just a pyrotic thing. That that was a thing that was started last season more than anything, and it's made a big, big difference. Like the, I remember before we played Tranmere last season, and even the Bradford game in the playoffs, it was rammed in there. Like the Tranmere bus struggled to get through. We had a crowd of thirteen thousand in, and because there were so many people in the fans zone, they had to like clear a gap to let the Tranmere bus get through us. But like it, it's packed on a match. It used to be there was about maybe 100, 200 people loitering outside the main stand on a match day before the game. And now, yeah, you, you're pushing on like 500 to 1,000. You know, they're having drinks and, and chatting and enjoying. And like I said, with the owners milling around as well, it's been it's made a really big difference. And I think the club has seen such a massive upturn in terms of the money that's brought in as well. Nice. So good. It sounds like a really good atmosphere, a really good feel to it. What um, That's going to greet us on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, before we go, then for score prediction for the game on Saturday. You know what? On our pod, I was saying this the other day before our Blackpool game, saying I've I've not predicted a defeat. I don't think for ages on our pod, <laughs> and I nearly did for the Blackpool game, thinking it would be reverse psychology, and actually it just would have won me points in our competition. I'm gonna go for it. You know, what? I'm gonna go for an entertaining two-two draw. I think both teams will have a good go at it. A little good pre-Christmas fair. Yeah, I can see that happening. Absolutely nailed on that. Pat Bruffle score for you guys. Our <laughs> player. So. Um, <laughs> Uh, maybe, maybe Jack is Jack Selby not fit? Did you say? Yeah, he is back now. Yeah, he's he, back now. Yeah, he's yeah. back now. Well, he might score one as well. Then you know, yeah. he might right get nosebleed if he gets that but, far yeah. forward. But, but you know, it's yeah. probably more and likely. To with any, yeah, and with any luck, um, Ryan Edmondson might finally score a goal this season. Might show what he's. Has he not scored yet this season? Some, is he? No, he's not. Oh, That's guaranteed. That's the game. Yeah, that's almost a guarantee. Both the I think I'm going to go one all then. Patrick Bruff for us and then Ryan Obinson guaranteed to score for you that we we shake on, hands on that and go and head off yeah. I think we'll be reasonably okay with that um, after last weekend um, but Lee thank you so much for joining us um, do you want to plug your podcast before you go yeah Brunton Bugle so you can find it on all good podcast apps Spotify Google Podcast uh, what's the one I use I can't remember now Pocket Cast things like that basically if you just search for the Brunton Bugle you can, you can find us on there we'll be putting a preview out for this game on Friday morning most likely um, but yeah com as well if, you, if you're really struggling to find it so it should be all there so yeah nice one thanks so much for joining us it's been a pleasure to speak with you again and all the best for the rest of the season um, ex- hopefully exciting times for you coming in January as well so yeah all the best for that yeah hope so cheers nice uh, good luck to the Cobblers this weekend and of course to NTFC women who will hopefully get a game on for the first time in three weeks uh, travelling to Leafield Athletic in the FA Women's National League Division 1 Midlands on Sunday uh, kick off there at the University of Wolverhampton Warsaw campus is at 2pm if you fancy a jaunt over there we'll be back on Tuesday with all our reaction to both of those games uh, thank you so much for listening we'll see you soon Podcast Network.